Chapter Fourteen of For Fifteen Years by Lewis Albach, translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen, The Trial Revised. Gabrielle, like Roger and Florence, came down early that morning. Her son, who had come as usual to kiss her in her chamber, had been in a hurry that he could hardly conceal which had given her some anxiety for he left her very quickly does he intend she thought to go away this morning she watched him through her window until he was joined by florence and then better satisfied feeling sure that he had sacrificed his usual morning chat with her to nothing more than a rendezvous with the girl whom he was now permitted to love she felt calmed and reassured but was still anxious to get downstairs she wanted to surprise her two children together to kiss them both and bless them both in the open air in the garden she found florence walking alone she joined her what have you done with my son she asked still anxious but smiling he is at work replied florence bending forward to receive the morning kiss of madame de monterey already the mother made a movement to go back to the white parlor florence gently took her arm feigning to go with her but in reality intending to prevent her going oh she said leaning lovingly on madame de monterey this is not the first time roger has set to work before other people were stirring don't you remember madame how he was always the first downstairs when we had lessons together yes i remember but it was because he was looking for you my darling florence blushed and continued he was looking for me this morning yes but he has left you very soon oh when we were children we had all sorts of things to tell each other now after we had said good morning there seemed nothing more to say indeed said gabrielle looking tenderly at the young girl whom she hoped soon to call her daughter and bending a little on one side to get a better view of her yes that is true replied florence confidently and quietly are you not going to take your work as you used to do and sit with him i'm afraid of being in his way murmured the young girl who did not wish to give any answer that was not true gabrielle looked back to her own girlhood she remembered that when she was engaged to gaston after years of boy and girl companionship which made explanations between them unnecessary she had acted as florence was now doing feeling shy as she found old friendship changing into love but then there was a vast difference between roger and his father madame de monterey said to herself that surely roger must have many things to tell his former playfellow things that alas at the same age would never have come into his father's head let us go and find him shall we not she said to the young girl i am curious to know what drawing or what picture he is going to begin she drew florence along with her florence hardly knew how to resist or how to stop her but said she at last suppose that what roger is doing were meant for a surprise a surprise gabrielle started perhaps she bethought her that roger had spoken of the great discovery of jean mortier's innocence as a surprise to be offered to his widow but there could be no danger she thought so long as roger stayed at the chateau it was only in paris that an investigation could take place and since he had not set off for paris what was the use of being alarmed 
the surprise on hand was probably some charming work of art in commemoration of his betrothal well then she said with unusual gaiety we must wait for the surprised we will not disturb our artist come with me dear she drew florence after her to her chamber and thence into the little sitting-room next to it where she had passed so many hours of unhappiness there with a sort of playful peremptoriness she sat the young girl down in the middle of the room as if she had placed there a big vase of flowers to brighten it to embellish it and to impart to it sweet fragrance then she said i want you to be my secretary this morning i shall be very glad madame wait gabrielle had the courage to open the bookcase where she kept the private journals into which for fifteen years she had poured her confidences she touched them for the first time without fear nay she moved them in order to find some bundles of paper which she looked through florence watched her she had done the same thing herself that morning when she searched her mother's closet for her papers gabrielle found what she was looking for a large sheet of paper which she unfolded and drawing florence to her side she showed her on her writing-table some paper and a pen copy this for me she said with make-believe authority florence looked at the paper and read it over rapidly it was a list of underclothes and jewelry carefully numbered she grew slightly pale and her moist eyes looked questioningly at madame de monterey gabrielle leaned over her and drew her mouth to hers it is the list of my wedding trousseau she murmured with a broken trembling voice it is very complete i could not make out a better one nor one more satisfactory for you these last words said almost in a whisper glided warmly into florence's heart she burst into tears gabrielle's tears flowed also they wept in each other's arms and their kisses were interrupted by the words my mother my child it was their first moment of effusion while this was passing roger was seated before his easel in the white parlor in such a way as to be screened in case of a surprise above all things he did not want madame emilienne to see him prying into those archives those records of her sorrow he began to read with a strange beating of his heart not that he now had any doubts of jean mortier's innocence his faith reinforced by his love for florence seemed to him invincible he was expecting nothing but to find proofs of mortier's innocence and what agitated him supremely was the fear of not finding sufficient clues by which he might be guided in his parents investigation the upholsterer's widow was in everything orderly she had sorted and numbered all her documents just as she sorted and numbered the business papers belonging to the slate quarry the sad history could be read in her papers chapter after chapter in regular succession the newspapers first announced the murder they mentioned the discovery of the body in the bois de boulogne and stated as it is always proper to do in such cases that the police were on the track of the murderers next day there were details they told their readers that pierre mortier had supped at a fashionable restaurant between a party of women of bad character and young men of fashion they added that all these very different witnesses would be at once summoned by the police 
roger though no one had ever spoken before of this story since his childhood but who retained a vague memory of the visit made to his father by an agent of the police whom his mother had herself conducted to the door knew that his father was one of the men at that supper on that fatal evening it pained him it disconcerted him before he had read far in these papers as soon as his feelings began to get interested to be thus suddenly brought face to face with this painful fact he knew that his father had been living the life of the club and had been often from home at night in the days of his infancy yes he distinctly remembered the long sad waitings of his mother for his father's return the tears she had shed as she leaned over him in his cradle tears that he paid little attention to at the time but of which he now found traces lingering in his memory yes indeed while some one was murdering that man who had eaten his last supper in his father's company his mother had been weeping and watching for her husband and the table at which monsieur de monterey was feasting had been next to the one occupied by a bevy of women of the town roger saw suddenly a vision like one of those double tableau part of the scenery in modern theatres a supper scene the tables brilliantly lighted surrounded by bold laughing cynical and sneering women trying to attract the attention of men of fashion fathers of families whose wives were weeping and watching for them at home beside this picture was its contrast a bedchamber with the faint gleam of a night lamp a wife sitting up in bed with her elbow on her pillow listening but hearing no sound outside in the silence hoping for the return of her prodigal husband and watching at the same time for any noise from the next room where slept the child in his cradle forsaken by his father roger was by nature an artist his artistic perceptions had probably been cultivated by the life of seclusion in which his boyhood had been passed his childish impressions which rarely found vent in words had crystallized in his brain and taken the form of pictures it had become natural to him to have all his ideas come to him in form and color and this in a great measure because they did not express themselves in words it was quite natural therefore that he should form a mental picture of the first details he read about the murder he saw distinctly the dark wood the man assaulted and the other man taking flight it was the third picture in the series the first being the supper party and the second the silent woman watching in the night the newspaper went on to relate on the authority of notes taken at the prefecture de police that the guests at the merry party had been examined and that the result of the examination of the women who had all been brought up before a magistrate had been that there was no evidence to implicate them in the death of pierre mortier but immediately afterward as if to make up to the reader for this exoneration of the women the newspapers announced the arrest of jean mortier the discovery of two banknotes at his lodging which had undoubtedly belonged to the deceased the seizure of the hammer which had probably been the weapon with which the murder was committed together with a fact that told strongly against the prisoner viz that he had been out all night and that he confessed to have passed it wandering about the bois de boulogne near the very spot where the assault on pierre mortier had been committed 
roger was overwhelmed by this account of the arrest of jean mortier it was the most stunning blow he could have received appearances were terribly against him the pale half-crazy man who after a cruel deception had laid by in an envelope directed by his own hand two notes for a thousand francs each which had that very day been in the pocket-book of the murdered victim and who could not prove the shadow of an alibi seemed assuredly guilty roger had no means of picturing to himself the appearance of the poor upholsterer nor of his home before him stood two figures that hid from his eyes that of jean mortier madame emilienne in her sorrow and the bright face of florence lighted up with hope and faith and filial love he saw nothing beyond them the hammer was a coarse material argument that he could not get over and was not the man's suicide after conviction a damning proof of guilt roger felt crushed the women and the men their associates at supper faded out of his imagination he saw only a man bowed down under unanswerable proofs of guilt one paper gave the account of how jean mortier had been taken to see his cousin's corpse at the morgue the hammer exactly fitted the wounds on the body what more was needed roger at this point felt hopelessly discouraged he laid down the papers on his colour-box put his hands before his face and thought the pictures called up by the papers seemed to make further investigation hopeless what could he suppose the judges and the jury seemed to him to have decided rightly before reading the trial itself he felt certain of the verdict how could a man be acquitted with such an accumulation of evidence against him how could he have been innocent was it not more probable that wifely love and filial love were both mistaken might not jean mortier have been lying when he protested his innocence to madame emilienne lying roger who was as truthful and honest as his mother felt a cold shiver pass over him a secret horror had he not often had reason to doubt the word of his own father had he not often felt the deepest humiliation almost amounting to despair when he detected his father in a course of lies he was horrified at having his father come at all into this inquiry he was angry with himself for in any way connecting him with this sad story in which he had only played the part of a witness who felt pity for the prisoner and a husband who had joined his wife in showing great kindness to jean mortier's family but in vain he struggled to put his father out of his thoughts at this moment he could not help using him as a standard of comparison as a proof that men were sometimes capable of falsehood do what he would monsieur de monterey seemed mixed up in this tragedy he was associated with it from the beginning when he had supped almost at the same table as the man who had been murdered till at its close he had offered an asylum to the widow and daughter of the murderer was it homicide or murder roger had himself when speaking of that matter of pavel's drawn a distinction which though it might not acquit jean mortier at least might somewhat mitigate the crime he might have been as it were a homicide without premeditation 
just as pavel would have been if he had killed his man he could not have been a murderer but no his lying in wait was evident jean mortier had not pavel's excuse of being a fast man and a gambler like pavel and some others after half an hour of reflection roger rose and left the white parlor hiding the papers in case any one came into the room if florence chanced to see him in his present mood of discouragement both her love for him and her attachment to her father would be wounded roger might seem to her to have betrayed her tender trust by not being faithful to the belief with which that tenderness had inspired him he wanted to get into the garden to get rid in the open air of something that seemed to press with a weight upon his forehead then he would come back and struggle against these appearances since men could lie why might not human things in the garden where he strode about impatiently roger encountered madame emilienne she was coming back from her usual morning visit to the slate quarry he reddened as he saw her and dared not stop to speak to her emilienne read in the trouble in the young man's eyes only a feeling of shame for his clandestine curiosity she smiled at him gravely and passed on as if she were in a hurry she did not wish to stop him nor to explain anything to him nor to influence him she wished for his own genuine unbiased impression as soon as she was out of sight roger had an impulse to run after her to call her back to cross-question her to confess to her his sudden terror and to implore her to tell him why she had never for a moment felt a doubt in spite of the overwhelming circumstantial evidence but to implore help from emilienne would be to confess his own impotency it would be giving up his secret partnership with florence he would feel like a deserter it would be best in any case if he must be so unfortunate as to be brought to feel the certainty of jean mortier's guilt to share that sorrow at first with florence alone and besides he had thus far only read the results of the first legal inquiries if there had been a terrible error committed at the trial of course there must have been strong evidence on which to found it this evidence had shocked him but was it not precisely to prove that appearances could be false that he had undertaken the investigation no doubt thought he the newspapers kept their readers informed of each piece of evidence against the prisoner as the inquiries of the police proceeded and perhaps he might find as he read on the gleam of light that had thus far failed him he went back into the white parlor he found there florence her face all brightness transfigured by the influence of the dews and the sunshine in her recent interview with madame de monterey have you finished she asked eagerly going up to him with outstretched hands not yet replied roger with an uncertain smile perhaps you have not even begun yes i have did you stop florence's voice grew less assured i have come back to go on said roger still embarrassed his unwillingness to answer her disguised by his caressing tone as he did not tell her why he had broken off florence guessed his motive did you get discouraged then already no but i felt as if i could not breathe i went out into the open air ah florence how terrible it all was how much your mother must have suffered 
poor mamma murmured the young girl how dearly she will love you if you succeed florence in these words seemed to admit a doubt of his success she made no absolute assertion she said if you succeed this timid concession made to roger's scepticism seemed to him an exhortation to perseverance he said to himself that he must conquer he went to his easel sat down and reopened the papers i am going away i will come back by and by said florence softly no stay replied roger tenderly you do not need me i think on the contrary that you may help me how roger dared not own that he thought she might exercise a sort of exercising influence over his fears he said i may want to know what you remember at the time i don't remember anything i was so young i remember a good deal how can you you did not know us then i heard much talk at the time of this great misfortune my father and mother talked about it you know he was called as a witness yes i knew that you were older than i all i recollect is the sad pale face that lay beside me on the pillow not long before the police came to our door i remember the farewell kiss he gave me and indeed indeed i could swear with my whole heart that it was not the kiss of a criminal then i only remember how mamma made me say my prayers how she prayed for him how she put on mourning we have never left it off what more can i tell you my father lives in my memory as so kind so tender so unhappy i loved him more than children of my age commonly love their fathers because all the sorrow i had seen around me made me precocious that is all i remember florence was resolved not to cry but her voice here became tremulous with her effort to keep back her tears roger envied her for being able to have so sad and pious a remembrance of her early years for having early loved her father alas he had early doubted his stay he said again almost childly persistent i beg you to stay i want you you must oh it does not need all that to make me stay said florence softly but go on just as if i were not by i will warn you if any one is coming i am more than ever bent on my surprise she seated herself in the embrasure of the window where she usually sat she picked up her embroidery but she did not draw her needle through the work she sat with her hands idle leaning back in her chair attentive and yet in a dream watching roger who had begun to turn over the papers and to read them at the same time keeping an eye on the garden till at last lowering her eyes as if to give them rest she sat simply waiting with a slight smile roger had resumed his reading with still deeper attention i have mentioned that jean mortier's widow had made notes on the papers she had carefully preserved these notes had for the most part been made during the trial and she had added little since having no need to strengthen her resentment against man's injustice and needing nothing for her own conviction but the brave woman had labored or tried to labor to strengthen the brief drawn up by her husband's counsel while yet something might be done and when the lawyer failed she had gone over her notes and as it were completed them 
if this impassioned commentary gave roger little that was new at least it convinced him of the faith and energy of the widow after a few bitter sorrowful protestations against the facts as related by the papers and the conclusions drawn from them madame jean mortier had written on a sheet of paper pinned on to one of the journals a long account of her visit to madame de monterey this account was evidently written under the influence of some incomprehensible prejudice here are a few fragments of this paper useful perhaps to us and startling to roger why do they never suspect any of the gentlemen who supped that evening in the same room as our cousin the women were suspected soon enough fast men and fast women are much about the same thing i went to see monsieur de monterey but i could not find him his wife saw me she could not give me the particulars i should have been more likely to extract from him though she assured me that all he knew was that he had supped in company with monsieur pierre i ought to have been able to get on with this lady she seemed amiable and rather sad but these women of the world even the best of them have a sort of manner that one can never get over she meant to be kind and yet she wounded me she thinks jean guilty she cannot understand the complete confidence that i am proud to feel in him i wonder if women like her ever love their husbands she owned to me that her husband plays high habitually and that he had lately lost immense sums at the gaming table the lawyer had better inquire into this matter and take note of it if jean had been a man given to gambling or to any kind of dissipation the crime he is accused of would have been more probable but when people are poor like us our poverty is in itself a sort of presumptive evidence that we may be guilty while fashionable gentlemen steeped in vice are not even to be suspected i will see monsieur de monterey i must see him at least i have discovered that the lady is not happy her pride did not conceal that from me she wept with me what a pity that she would not understand me i asked her why she seemed so anxious to make out that my husband was guilty can she be afraid that suspicion might rest upon her own she kept on speaking of the hammer well what of that the hammer which is their main argument proves nothing cannot men be killed with some other weapon that is very like a hammer i will go and see the hardware man i will find out if there are no tools that make the same kind of wound as a hammer here roger paused he began to tremble his mother now came upon the scene and her association with it was not what he could have hoped or expected why should not she so loving sad and sympathetic have made common cause from the first with madame Emilienne? he did not dare to be angry with jean mortier's wife for the injustice of her remarks on the unaccountable lack of kindliness in madame de monterey that was of course a slander but it was possible that on that day for some reason his mother might not have been willing to let her feelings have free play among emilienne's observations two passages stood out sharp luminous and threatening they dashed themselves as it were in roger's face 
he felt like a sick man in the semi-delirium of a fever can she be afraid that they may suspect hers and men may be killed with some other weapon than a hammer these were almost the very words used by madame jean mortier two days before when speaking of that matter of pavel's could this fixed idea of some weapon like a hammer have led the upholsterer's wife to impossible conjectures and suspicions this was what roger was now eager to learn he no longer thought of leaving his work till he had finished it florence who saw him absorbed with a deep flush on his face sat softly smiling she could not pity him for any suffering in the task he was undertaking since their own happiness and the happiness of everybody else would be sure to grow out of his discoveries roger was in fact tightly seized and as it were drawn under iron wheels by the interest of these documents they made him the victim of a pitiless curiosity they tore off his very flesh at every turn of the page he would gladly have stopped have taken time to think to weigh to investigate but he had to go on madame emilienne ended her observations on her visit by recording that she had given madame de monterey the numbers of the banknotes that had been stolen that was at least a proof that she had awakened some interest in the heart of gabrielle but nothing more yet roger drank in this idea and was comforted next came a newspaper relating the scene when jean mortier was confronted with the dead body of his murdered kinsman at the morgue the newspaper alleged as a sure proof of his guilt that he faltered he did falter from horror and that he had fainted away this view of the matter had exasperated madame emilienne in her heavy round hand the writing of a woman who had learned to write only at a public school and had no knowledge of how to use her pen lightly in writing that indeed seemed made darker and deeper to emphasize her words she had written on the white margin of the printed sheet jean has so little strength the poor fellow had suffered so much before they put him to this torture why don't the judges who are men themselves let me sit beside him when he is examined or stand by him when he is confronted with such dreadful things it is horrible to have that taken for remorse which is nothing but the effect of pity if i had been there he would never have fainted and all that has been said about it would never have been said ah oh, poor dead pierre murdered by someone unknown to us not by my jean i think i could have made you seem to smile that you might not horrify the innocent what effect might it not have on jean with his impressible nature if he were convicted he might kill himself i fear he would roger was much impressed by these lines the prescience of the loving wife who foresaw the probable suicide of her husband showed him that she was able to judge him impartially she read clearly the future might she not be equally correct as to the past why when this thought entered the mind of roger should it have redoubled his agitation and deepened the color in his face was he beginning to say to himself that he like his mother 
might soon come to desire to believe in the guilt of jean mortier why had his mother wanted to believe it after all confused remembrances which i will relate hereafter began surging through his brain like waters from many founts which trickle intermingle loose themselves burst the barriers that confine them within bounds and carry destruction along with them he kept his attention fixed on what he read though it tried to escape from him he dreaded lest the tide of another anguish might carried him away the paper said little about the murder after the first examinations till the trial madame mortier in her notes alluded to this silence and poor woman it seemed to cause her a new alarm if nothing were said by the papers it meant that the police had found no clue to the real murderer the circumstances of the visit from the priest of the madeleine who had advised her to choose for her lawyer maitre lacal the leading advocate in the court de assizes was mentioned by madame emilienne our readers if they have read the first part of this narrative the steel hammer will remember that when madame emilienne received this advice together with the money she would need to pay the eloquent counsel recommended to her she had at once exclaimed that the priest must have come from the real murderer who was suffering from remorse the priest had protested that this was not the case and she had said nothing more but she had then conjectured that the money must have come from madame de monterey the traces of her first suspicion and of her second conjecture which proved afterward to be true were found in her annotations roger trembled when he read them there a few moments before he had been surprised that his mother had not shown madame emilia more pity he now perceived that her pity and her sympathy had been very great madame mortier had added to her papers for the benefit of her counsel all letters that bore upon the subject copies of which she had preserved and tied up with the newspapers she had also given him her own views her arguments were few every line attested her conviction of her husband's innocence and her own deep love for him she seemed to think that surely was enough she however insisted on an inquiry being made by her lawyer as to all instruments or tools resembling a hammer and she implored him on no account to omit calling monsieur de monterey as a witness and subjecting him to a rigid cross-examination she said that even if he knew nothing as to the crime she thought he could put them on the track of the criminal why should she have said this there was a burst of bitter hatred against monsieur de monterey inserted the evening before the trial opened this man said madame emilienne speaking of gaston seems fatal to me i know not why for he appears to wish well to jean he tries to serve him my lawyer is forever telling me so if he is summoned as a witness maitre lacal counts much upon his testimony but why should he be a witness why is he nothing but a witness he and his friends and the girls at that supper ought to be just as much under suspicion as jean why shouldn't they ask him where he passed the night it is true that he probably could not use a hammer and that a gentleman like him is not likely to lie in wait for another man in a wood roger could bear no more he could hardly breathe 
of course this explosion was the mad paroxysm of a sufferer on the rack writhing in agony but it was a formal charge growing out of many things that had given birth to vague suspicion roger would not yet look back into his childish memory he dreaded to see his recollections raise their heads like serpents hissing at him from the past what could be the meaning of it all he had now reached the account of the trial he drank in every burning word he read with startled eyes End of chapter 14